This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Retail Retold. I hope everyone is having a great start to the new year. Tough to imagine we are already here in February 2021. I hope that you are accomplishing all you dreamed of accomplishing this year because it's moving fast. I wanted to come on and give everyone a preview of the next three episodes, including this episode, because I'm so excited about these episodes. They highlight three entrepreneurs that have battled tremendous adversity and are really inspiring stories. We have an entrepreneur from upstate New York that owns three clothing stores. You're going to learn how in the middle of the pandemic, she was up all night packing boxes, trying to ship things out to keep her stores uh, generating cash. You're going to hear about an entrepreneur that owns a coffee shop in St. Louis, Missouri. And you're going to hear about a woman named Nikkei that owns seven cake shops in Lagos, Nigeria, our first international guest. The stories about these entrepreneurs are powerful. They are inspiring. And I hope you enjoy and learn as much about uh, retail and real estate as I did talking to them. Today, I'm joined by a superstar entrepreneur, Heidi West. Heidi is the owner of three retail stores in Saratoga Springs, New York. Lifestyles of Saratoga Springs, Carolina, Maine, and Union Hall Supply Company. Welcome to the show, Heidi. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Glad to have you. Heidi, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what your stores are all about and what you do? Okay. Well, I consider myself a brick and mortar entrepreneur. I have three brands in beautiful downtown Saratoga Springs. Um, If you're familiar with it, it's a historic um, beautiful downtown, and I feel very lucky to um, have all of my roots planted here. Um, all three of my brands are located in downtown Saratoga Springs. That's how much I love it. Um, I am an apparel retailer, a brick and mortar apparel retailer. I sell women's clothing, I sell men's clothing, I sell gifts, um, and some home furnishings, and at times I sell some children's clothing. So apparel it is for me. So you have three different stores, Lifestyles of Saratoga, Union Hall Supply Company, and Carolina, Maine. What is the difference between the three stores? So my original brand, Lifestyles, um, is 30 years old, and there was a gap in the market for well-made women's clothing. So my mother and I uh, opened that brand years and years ago. Clearly, it's been a success. Um, five years ago, I expanded. We basically ran out of space in, in a historic district. As you know, the spaces are small and hard to come by. So I expanded to the corner next door. Um, the feel in Caroline, Maine is a little bit um, more casual a little bit younger and we have a large gift um, uh, experience over there as well. And Union Hall is the men's version of lifestyles. Basically I had men sitting in 
outside of my uh, dressing rooms for hours each day asking me why I wasn't doing this for them. And finally, I said, you know what, that's a really good idea. Let's do it. And it's that was um, maybe just over a year ago. It'll be two years this summer for Union Hall Supply Company. It's a great story. I love that you have three stores all in the same market, all in the same downtown that have their own niche. Really, really inspiring to the entrepreneur out there that wants to grow their business. Do you also have an online presence? Can the listeners find you online? Well, that's a that's a long story. That might be a whole nother podcast, but I do have an e-com presence. Um, it is not perfect. It is um, not functioning how I'd like it to function. Um, it's been a bit of a struggle, uh, but we're working on it. I understand the the pivoting from physical to digital is not easy, but uh, every, everyone's starting to do some version of that. So I'm, I'm glad that you're out there doing both omni-channel. Uh, that is a good thing, uh, but I'm, I'm sure the brick and mortar is the more profitable for you. Well, it always has been. So, you know, it's been an interesting year. Um, Even when we were down during the pandemic, though, and I was uh, selling only online, it was still only two or three percent of what I normally do in a year. So, you know, that's pretty telling. Um, I've had a few false starts with the e-com and uh, it's costly, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think I think that's interesting to hear because people think that it's so much cheaper than the physical, but there is a cost. And you and I were talking before we started this recording that the whole shipping aspect, if you have to give free shipping, it really crushes you. So it makes it really challenging to compete online. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it is. It's also challenging to um, get your, get your, you know, brand out there. There's so much, you know, noise in the industry right now. Um, you know, and you have to think about the back end of it. I carry in my brick and mortar spaces, um, you know, at the height, I'll carry between, you know, 7,000 and 10,000 items. So in order to get those online, um, it takes a photographer, it takes a back end person, then you have to fulfill, um, the other portion of it people don't think about for my business, I can't just go to say a square or a stripe. I have to have everything linked to my inventory because I did get in a lot of trouble when they weren't linked and we're selling stuff online and then the stores are open and just, you know, the turnaround is too fast. If they're not linked, it, it creates a disaster and losing a customer is the last thing I want to do during, you know, a pandemic. That is for sure. It's it's interesting you, you mentioned the getting the brand out there. There are last I checked, it's somewhere around this. There were 1.8 million online stores in the US and there were 464,000 brick and mortar stores. I find that interesting because my point is it's harder to get seen online than it is in person because it is so busy out there and everyone is trying to open up an e-com store. Correct. Especially in apparel, apparel, um, you know, with the pandemic apparel, there was a glut of apparel. Um, the industry needed to dump goods and it just, you know, was, it was, it was a bit of a shit show. Oops. I'm probably not allowed to say that. (laughs) You're, 
you're all, you're all good. You know, we really had to dump goods. It was not pretty. So yeah, it's hard to get it. The, the acquisition cost for that customer online is. I say the, the customer acquisition cost is the new rent. Exactly. Yeah. I think I remember you saying that. I love that. Tell us a little more, bit more about the stores. So if I go into Lifestyles and Union Hall supplier, Caroline and Maine, give us some brands that you carry so that the listener can get a little more f- f- familiar with the style. So at Lifestyles, one of my leading brands is Eileen Fisher. That's probably the most well-known brand. I do concentrate on small batch brands. I try to concentrate on items that are made in the USA. Um, I try to concentrate on brands that are eco-friendly, that um, are socially conscious. I uh, focus on, you know, how everything is made, what it's made of. Um, I just try to, um, you know, keep it as local as possible. If I can find a local brand, I'll do that too. So I carry Eileen Fisher. I carry Habitat, which I was just on with the um, owner of Habitat this morning, chatting about what's happening in the industry. She's out of Massachusetts. Um, I carry Silver Denim, which is a denim line out of Canada. Frank Lyman, which is also a Canadian line. The goal is to have well-made clothes, really kind of balance that price point for my customer. But beyond what I actually sell, what I do is create an experience with my team. So someone can walk in my door and whatever their needs are, we are going to take every moment to get to know them, to do what they need to do, to put together outfits and to send them out the door as happy as they possibly could be. So it's more about the experience. We feel like we're a big part of the community. We push out into the community a lot as well, but basically we are a place where people will just come in to catch up and let us know what's happening in their life as well. We are kind of a community hub. That's what I, that's how I look at it. I love that. I love how rooted you are in Saratoga Springs. The Saratoga Springs is a little bit of a tourist spot. Is that a big part of your business? You know, it used to be a lot more, but there has been a significant change. I'd even say in the last 10 years, last five years, um, you know, the population has grown, but we have a really strong combination of local people that, you know, swear by us. And then we do have an influx you know, over the summer, most particularly. And then in the beginning of the year, we have a city center that puts on conferences. So that, you know, gets us through first quarter normally um, with a lot of conferences and business people in town. Now that's kind of all off the plate right now, but um, there's a significant dif- significant difference first quarter before our city center came in and after. It's been a, a huge, you know, saver of many businesses, which kind of turn and burn that time of year. So... Yeah, that 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 must be tough right now, given there's no conferences really happening in person as and I assume the tour did the the tourism drop or did they get this? Did you get the influx in the summer from all the New York City people? No, we were way off. I mean, it was a huge it was a huge hit. I want to say, you know, I want to off the top of my head, I think for the year, I want to say I was uh, 47% down, but you know, the, that September, August, I want to say it was August, September 
was closer to 60%. I mean, it was, it was significant. No, people were not coming here. Wow. Can you give us context of dollar amounts? How, how successful were these stores? What is the, what is an average year of lifestyles or Caroline and Maine do kind of in volume? Lifestyles really is, you know, a multi-million dollar uh, in sales. We do about eight or nine inventory turns a year, which is significant in my business. Um, the other two are, you know, smaller players, uh, just under a million a year. One of the things you mentioned before that, that caught my attention was you have a focus on small batch brands. Is that to differentiate from a lot of the other apparel retailers out there? Uh, yes and no. We always focused on that. Um, you know, I'm, my goal is to find something you can't find everywhere to walk into my store and just be wowed. And, and even if it's a small, small brand with only a few items, you know, that's uh, you know, that's what differentiates me from, from all the other businesses. And that's just been, you know, more driven home as the internet evolved and everything's online, you know, now the vendors will offer items that they, they say they will not actually sell online. So it's, it's definitely changing the industry, which I think is fascinating, fascinating and exciting, but at the same time, a little nerve wracking. It's a whole new world out there. I love that. Yeah, that is what I was getting out. I, the, the retailers that can differentiate and have product that you can't find elsewhere, they're going, especially those specialty retailers are going to succeed. I often use the line and people have heard me say it a ton on this podcast. The example I give is Pampers and Pepsi. You can find that everywhere. And if you're competing on Pampers and Pepsi, you're going to be in a dogfight because it's hard to make money on those commoditized brands and they're everywhere. So I love that you have small batch brands that are hard to find and that can wow the customer. I think that's fantastic. And I do think one thing that a positive thing that has come out of the pandemic is the industry really has taken a step back and we've been able to kind of work in a different fashion. Um, and that's one of the things that's really evolved is that um, people aren't willing, vendors aren't willing just to sell and sit, put things on sale anymore like they used to be, which would be very difficult for us. If I got a, a grouping of Eileen Fisher, it was immediately on sale before I could even get it on my floor. And that has kind of rolled back a bit in the industry and that I'm kind of excited about because it was becoming, you know, we were teaching the customer just to wait until things were so deeply discounted that, you know, nobody was able to, to make a profit. I, I totally understand. I recently had a podcast. You should check it out with a guy named Simeon Siegel, who did a study in 2020. And his study was, did COVID save retail? And one of the punchlines that came out of the thesis of that was it seemed to them that the American retail problem wasn't a problem of an oversaturation of stores, but an oversaturation of discounts. And the race to the bottom was the biggest problem in causing challenges for large scale retailers. And because of the inventory shrinkage or, or the inventory shortfall, I should say, with the supply chain issues, it gave retailers an opportunity to hold price because there was a shortage of product. 
And if retailers can maintain that discipline, well, it, it, it maybe it weans the consumer off this consistent wait for the discounts to come. Yeah, I do think the reset began years and years ago. If you follow retail, especially large box retailers, you you know that the reset started years ago. And this may be a nail in the coffin or it just the timing is is now, but this is not new. Totally makes sense. Speaking of the pandemic, not an easy time for retail, not an easy time for entrepreneurs, not an easy time for entrepreneurs in tourist towns like yourself. How did you survive this pandemic? What did Heidi and team do to get through to 2021? Um, Well, we're still surviving. Let me just put that out there. I understand. Um, You know, but um, looking back, it was a big old roller coaster ride emotionally for me personally. Um, there were many, many sleepless nights because, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, part of the, the excitement and joy of being that is trying to reinvent yourself because things are always changing and how am I going to think outside the box? And there was always, there was always a way. And I just felt like the further we got into the pandemic, the tighter the box became to the point where I literally could barely turn to try and figure out what my next move was going to be. So um, we were willing to do anything and everything. I like to uh, paint the picture for people we had. We were closed for maybe a couple of months. I was getting very desperate. I think I had laid off my team. So there was uh, just a few of us here. We had our town um, decided to do a virtual sidewalk sale and uh, it was going to launch the next morning. So I had to have everything kind of online and ready to go. Um, Was home at night, late at night in my pajamas, like any good entrepreneur would be kind of loading things up. And sure enough, here comes a a tornado, which we never get, knocks out all the power. Oh, my God. So (laughs) I... Literally got in my car. It's probably close to midnight. Drove down to the store because I knew they still had power and scuffled out. Thank God there was not a soul around. Scuffled into the store and literally spent the next couple hours photographing, trying to get everything up online. And was, I, I swear, I was talking to myself. I was in tears. I'm like, you gotta do what you gotta do. And and the whole thing did work out very well. And we needed that virtual sidewalk sale. It gave us just another, you know, another day another day forward. And that's all kind of, I was, you know, where my headset was at that point, willing to do anything. Wow. That is inspiring. That is a fighter, Heidi. So kudos to you. Um, another day. So it was a roller coaster, but you got through, how'd you do holiday 2020? You know, we did have a strong holiday. Um, you know, it would it did not compare to a normal holiday, but the community at that point was out to save us. I mean, the messaging, all of them, everyone who reached out to me, what can I do? What can I do? They really came out um, and and supported the the town locally. It was honestly, I was on the floor a lot. I was talking to people. It felt it felt like a regular holiday. Um, you know, part of the issue was not having um, the inventory that I normally would be. So that's going to hurt, you know, you know, my profit, but at least people were out. Um, and now, you know, it's a different story. It's, uh, 
it's quiet. It's very quiet. So we just applied for and did get our second round of PPP funding, which will take some of the pressure off so that I can keep my staff all working for the next three months. Well, what does the next six months look like? Do you have any plans to get to the the other side now? What, what have what have you learned, and where do you think you're going next? Because I know it's not easy, and no one has all the answers. If they did, we'd all be rich. I understand that, but what what's in what's on your mind that you you need to do next to keep the keep it moving and get to the next day? So my industry, obviously we work way ahead of time. So I've already purchased all spring and summer uh, inventory. I'm almost finished with late fall buying. So, you know, looking at kind of how, how I'm going to buy, I think I overall, I would say probably bought about 20% less, but then really lined up vendors to see who I could chase for goods if I need it, because I am confident that it will open up um, you know, honestly, it's retail. I live on hope and I offer hope. And, and if I don't have that, th- those were the moments that were tough last year, the moments when I, when I lost hope. So I don't, not a lot of people know this, but in February, my son was diagnosed with cancer right before, right before the uh, pandemic God. hit. So I had a couple things piled on top of that. And there were some moments where I lost hope, not a lot of them. Um, but then I, you know, figured out how to pull myself back up. So I I love that word. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for, um, a spring where things start to open up by summer. I think that we will have, um, you know, our tourist business, will it be completely back to normal? I don't know, but I do know that people are tired of being in their homes they're tired of eating in their homes. They're tired of shopping in their homes. They're tired of everything. They really want to be out and about. And is it about buying, you know, a shirt? No, it's about being out in your community and experiencing, you know, life again with the people that you miss. And, you know, a lot of them are anxious to come back in and catch up. We miss each other, you know? I, I do know. Uh, I had a woman on the podcast, uh, Ann Malum. She is the CEO of Solid Core. She owns 77 Pilates Studios. <clears throat> and she said something profound, which is pe- what you said. People don't want to work at home, eat at home, sleep at home, shop at home, work out at home, and do everything at home. And I agree. I am one of them. I need to get out. I. Most of my day is calls and meetings virtually. I can tell you I take a bunch in my car because I need to get out of my house. So I understand. On that note, how is your son doing? He's doing great. It'll be a year. Um, He has to uh, go back every three months, but a year is a significant time for a cancer patient. So we're really excited about that. He's doing great. Awesome. That's great. Well, Heidi, listen, you are hope. You are hope for the American entrepreneur. So uh, keep pushing in all aspects of life. Keep pushing. You are hope. We are going to take a quick break here. And now a word from one of our sponsors.
Hey everyone. I know it's been a difficult time for all of you landlords and building operators out there. That's why I thought I'd share something that's been a huge help for us. Building Engines is one of the biggest players on the CRE scene. They've been getting a lot of buzz around their new building operations software platform, Prism. Prism slash Building Engines has played a key part in helping us find smarter, faster, and less expensive ways to operate during COVID-19. If you are a retailer, one of the biggest hurdles to staying open right now is probably keeping up with the CDC guidelines for indoor air quality. Well, Building Engines has an answer for that too. They just acquired a company called RAVT that helps the retail space manage HVAC systems and helps ensure compliance with your triple net lease obligations. With Building Engines, you can finally spend less time stressing about HVAC upkeep and reporting and more time focusing on your business. To learn more about how Building Engines can help you succeed in any real estate climate, check out buildingengines.com slash retold. You know, one of the things we do on the show is we tell a story about how a store got to where it got to. And, you know, a couple months ago, you had told me one that was interesting and how you became the dominate Saratoga Springs and how that Caroline and Maine store opened. Dying for the audience to hear how you, the gritty Heidi West, got uh, the Caroline and Maine store. Well, I 100% believe in location, 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 location. So, um, but I knew that there was a spot next to Lifestyles and I was coveting, coveting it for years. And um, I just, I believe a little bit in intention. So every day when I left and came into the store, I would say, come to me. I want that space to be open. So I contacted the landlord and he said, you know, we have a lease for the next whatever year, however many years. I said, when it's available, do not put it on the market. I want it. So I waited and I waited and I waited. And sure enough, I got the call and he said, if you want it, it's yours. And I did not hesitate. And that led to you having two stores in the market. And then you went even bolder and you ended up and those stores are on opposite sides of the street. Is that right? Yes. And then you went even bolder and you said, I'm continuing the Saratoga Springs domination. And you opened up a third location, Union Supply Company, uh, Union Hall Supply Company. And where is that in relation to the other two? So that's right across the street, across Broadway. And that space, again, stared at me. That one um, sat vacant for a while. um, And it stared at me and stared at me and stared at me. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't tell this to a lot of people, but I, when I was expanding, I really, I almost purchased a store in a different town. I've looked in other towns and I was really hesitant. My gut was saying, don't do it. You don't know that market. You don't know that market. You know this market you know, the gaps, like, you know, the back of your hand, like stay here. And one day you just decided, you know what, today's the day where I want to start pursuing the site across the street. 
The men's store. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, one of my uh, team members brought it to my attention. You know, we, we discussed it. I kind of chewed it over. I investigated a little bit. Um, and uh, there was another men's store down the street. They were building a new building. So they were going to be gone for three to five years. And that was the only other game in town. I said, well, now's a good time to, to give it a try. And in fact, I don't think they're coming back now that the pandemic has hit. I think they're gonna stay where they're at, um, which is not downtown. So kind of worked out perfectly. Good for you. Are, are you the only, you're the only men's store in town now? I'm the only um, independently owned men's store. There, there is another chain and then there are a couple of chains, but oh no, Banana Republic, sorry, they're gone. Um, the Gap, I would say, is the only other men's store. There might be another um, another women's store that dabbles in it, but I, I tried that initially and what I found was that the guys really wanted their own space. So I put a little uh, sampling bar. I have a lounge in the back where we're always playing, you know, either sports or surfing or something. So it really is kind of a nice situation. Guys will come in there just to say hi and see what's on tap and give it a try. And then, you know, get once you get to know them, they trust you and you can offer them clothing. Were either of these uh, stores that you opened, Carolina Maine or Union Hall Supply Company, was it tough negotiations with the landlord? Were they delighted to have you? Did they try to really push you around? How was that process? You know, there's not a lot of wiggle room. If you want the best spaces in town, you don't have a lot of <laughs> a lot of negotiations to discuss. I mean, that's the reality. There's a line a mile long behind you here. Got it. So you were pretty adamant that those are the locations, you knew they were in demand and you weren't going to let them go. So you made it happen. I mean, I did what I could. Um, you know, I, when I take over a space, I do a beautiful build out. I add to any space and I've made both spaces just stunning. So I work, you know, the landlords, you know, they like that, that, that's, that's good. So I work with that as, as I try to open. Um, and you know, in, when you first open, you, you have a little more wiggle room and you're not, you know, you're not bringing in any sales yet. So, um, I work them as hard as I can, but again, it's a line a mile long for the best space in a town like mine. You you mentioned that you you did a lot to enhance the interior fit out of the space. What type of investment do you, do, uh, did you have to put into either of these spaces? So I am lucky because my husband owns a restoration business. Okay. He took a restoration. So he, I do get a, a cut on the deal uh, or a little <laughs> bit of a deal, but um, you know, I would say uh, Carolina, Maine, close to 40,000. I put in a beautiful, uh, a beautiful new wood floor dressing rooms. I, I inherited brown carpets and, you know, torn down built-ins. It was, it was dark. I needed all new lighting. I did everything. What was the former tenant? Um, they were, it was a paper store. Um, but before that, I think it was a music store. It just had not been updated in, in many, many years. Understood. But the bones were good. The bones were good. The bones were great. High ceilings, tin ceilings, 
um, you know, white walls. Now I have a, you know, a beautiful uh, herringbone gray wooden floor in there. It's kind of beachy. It's beautiful with tile in the front. So yeah, I think it makes a big difference. Totally. I will tell you this. You could give some education to entrepreneurs around the country because I'm hearing build outs that are a lot more than that to get them looking great. And I think you probably, given it's a historic building, my guess is you probably left a little bit of the character in the building. Uh, you have your enhancements, but there's also some character. It had the high ceilings and all that to really make it an awesome look and feel. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I do have, I do have somebody who's pretty talented at my fingertips, but I'm always <laughs> last on the list. Just so you know. Um, it happens at night and it happens at night. I understand. I understand. Well, listen, this has been great. Like I said before, Heidi, you are hope. Keep grinding. I have no doubt you're going to make it through this tough time we're in. So I know it's not easy, but keep pushing along. Glad you got the second round of PPP and keep innovating. And I, I don't think the the midnight photography is going to end and things like that anytime soon, but uh, there will be a light at the end of the tunnel. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I love to talk about retail, so I appreciate it. No doubt. Well, I'm going to take it to the last part of the show. I've got three fun questions for you. Are you ready? Oh, yes, I am. All right. Question one, what extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? So I had to think about this long and hard. I knew this was coming, but I really miss the high-end department store, the Lord & Taylor down out of New York City. I miss that really special retail moment where you could walk through the doors and walk into a whole nother world. It was calm. It was beautiful. There were items there that you'd never see anywhere else. The staff was fabulous. The music, the sense that's been gone for a very long time. I grew up in the 80s in New York City. That was where I cut my teeth as a fashionista and I would spend hours in those stores and I really miss them. Wow. No one said that yet. And I know the store and I agree. All right. Question two. And I know this one was a surprise for you, but what is the last product north of $20 that you purchased in a store? Um, I purchased a cabinet because I just remodeled my offices and I needed to uh, a new cabinet, a little fun one for my office. So not so exciting, but where'd you purchase it? Oh dear. I purchased it at, this is not good, but I purchased it at home goods. That's great. Okay. That's great. <laughs> Those are great. All right. Last question. Heidi, if you and I were shopping at Target and I lost you, what aisle would I find you in? 100% you'd find me in the home goods, bath and body aisle to buying towels. I don't know why, but just I can never find the perfect towel. Okay. I'm, I'm on the hunt. <laughs> my, my house is on the hunt as well. I totally get that. Literally the conversation we had this morning, my wife and I, that she said, we, we have to find new towels. So I understand completely. I love it. Well, listen, this has been great. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I, for anyone out there, 
please check out Carolina, Maine, Lifestyles of Saratoga, and Union Hall Supply Company. And uh, thank you for coming on, Heidi. Thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed the time speaking with you. Made my day. Mine as well. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.